0: or Salem media group. When it comes to your investments and retirement in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the smart investor hour heard right here on AM 1420, the answer you'll get both smart and intelligent information. You'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen and learn with your host of the smart investor hour, Tim Hayes of RBC wealth management. Good morning, everybody.
1: Let's start uh, thinking positively. All right. Virtue is not left to stand alone. He who practices it has many neighbors. Confucius. In the nature of man, it is the nature of man to rise to greatness, if greatness is expected of him. I think it's John Steinbeck. And then, you know, if you have a Chinese philosopher, you have to have a Greek one. There's only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. I believe that's Euripides. All right, uh, let's start off, uh, you know, we have a seminar Monday, I don't think we have much room left, I don't even think we have any room left, but if you're really nice to me and you email me today, uh, I'll see what I can do about sneaking you in, Uh, but I only think, uh, I don't even, maybe talking off key, but if we get you in, we will. Uh, The the seminar is going to be, we're going to have Bob Dickey, our head technical uh, analyst, who has won many award. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he used, he used to be on CNBC quite a bit with Mark Faber, uh, and Mark Haynes. I'm sorry. Mark Faber is, a, a big time money manager. Uh, Mark Haynes, uh, God rest his soul. He, he left us a couple of years ago, about eight, nine years ago now. Um, and, uh, Mark used to have Bob on quite a bit. And, uh, also the folks from marshfield and if you're looking to place money uh, these guys don't lose money very often i think 2007 i mean 8 they lost about 15% and i've never seen them lose double digits since then uh of course past performance doesn't always guarantee future results got to say that for the lawyers uh but they're very very good they're deep deep value guys last year everybody's giving a hard time about Chipotle. it's now up 104% so with within a year it's up 104% you know we wish all our stocks would do that Anyway, uh it, it's going to be at the Marriott Airport. Uh if you email me, I'll I'll email you an invite on Monday. Uh also if if you uh, don't know where to get a hold of us, you can go to WHK 1420 AM, go to Local Podcasts, uh, go down to Tim Hayes, I'm there and you can go directly to my webpage and if you if you can't find it there, just go to Google or Bing, Tim Hayes Radio and I show up. Uh, you can always tell it's me cuz right below my picture says remember buy low sell high, so if you want to uh, sign up uh, it has all sorts of contact me email me while you're there look at some of bob's work uh, the daily technical analysis is there the market week is there we also have some stuff about european equities and, and how to protect yourself from a data breach you know i've been saying this for about a month now and uh this is kind of interesting do you have the old insurance or do you have the new kind of life insurance well if you have the old insurance uh you all you have is premiums and a death benefit maybe some cash value if it's it's if it's a whole life product, but if, if the new, you have a living benefit, whereas you can tap that benefit during your lifetime to pay for long-term care expenses. So look, I was looking at us. I had some questions from a couple clients and, and uh, they said, you know, what, what would you do if you to clean up your finances? And look, I think the first thing everybody should be doing is do a like a insurance audit on themselves. Uh, you know, your house usually isn't the only thing that needs a good scrub, you know, the inside and outside of your house during spring cleaning. You need to, you need to go through your records every once in a while, and uh, I think each year people actively lose endless sums of money by simply neglecting to spring clean their insurance accounts. Uh, the problem is barely anyone knows, no one knows where to start, okay? So the first I think you got to do is locate your insurance policy, um, you know, which is important. Uh, whether you have variable life whatever, uh, annuities, you know, whatever it may be. And, uh, then, you know, uh, keep them together, put them together in, a, in one spot. Um, hanging on to insurance you don't need is like betting on a poker hand. You aren't going to win. So what you should do is have somebody take a look at them. Okay. So, uh, that would be my next thing. Um, and, and, and then finally, uh, make sure you've paid them for the year. Okay. On top of that. But, uh, we do a lot with insurance, uh, ha- having people take a look at their term insurance uh, and run it through because term's much cheaper these days, much much cheaper. Also, we have a new newsletter out for April. Uh, it's a Social Security quiz on benefits. Uh, I'm, so far, I've had eight, I've talked to eight people, and all eight have flunked it. <laughs> so you know, if you don't know Social Security, you should. We do have a new uh, uh, a piece on that that I can send out to you. Uh, there's some rules on opening a 529 account. That's you know where you finance either your kids or your grandkids' education. Also, have another piece called rewriting uh, retirement. Uh, great piece. And we still we have one week left. I told you I was going to cut this off at the seminar on our technology, internet, media, and telecommunications uh, newsletter. Well, it's not a newsletter; it's a research report. And you know, basically, it goes back to November. So uh, I think some of the things are going to start to come down now a little bit. And, you know, you want to pay attention. Don't forget to spring clean your portfolio. If you got some laggards that you don't think are going to work, that's a good time. Somebody told me, uh, asked me this week, uh, Tim, what happened if you went through the crash in 1987? Well, I did go through the crash in 1987. And you know what? Within five years, we had made up all the money plus 155%. So let's say in 2009 you got out of the market and you just went into cash. You'd have about $52,000 now in the money market. If you moved to bonds, you'd have about seventy-one thousand. If you would have stayed in stock, you'd have two hundred and eight thousand, and that's a fifty-thousand-dollar investment. So there we go. Okay. So according to the Environmental Working Group uh, annual analysis analysis of U.S. Department of Agriculture data, about seventy percent of fresh po- produce sold in the U.S. has pesticide residue on it. I guess the key is wash your your uh, stuff. Uh, just over half of Americans between ages 18 and 34 said they do not have a steady romantic partner. According to the data from the general social survey, that figure is up significantly from 33%. Uh, so, uh, love is not in the air is what it comes down to. And then, uh, finally, uh, parents are investing thousands of dollars per year, uh, in sports leagues and other programs for their children. They spend up to 10% of their income on youth sports. Wow. Here we go. Um, there was a great uh, article about uh, ETFs and uh, indexing that talks about uh, low-cost funds may be fixing the wrong problem that the data suggests. And there's a lot of myths on Wall Street that that fund managers can't beat the stock market indexes. Well, when the Federal Reserve is doing what it's doing, what it's doing is is feeding the uh, growth stocks. Okay, and uh, that'll end soon. So you know you want to be careful, but. There's some people, uh, Linda Chen and Wei Huang. They're both f- from St. John's and St. Benedict's, uh, and they did an exhaustive study of this. And they said, you know, look, there's all sorts of volume before earnings, before good earnings. Seventy percent of the time before good earnings, volume increases. That's money management. That is not that is not the people who are buying index funds or ETFs. And they said that active management has actually outperformed over a long period of time over this, over the stock market in about 65% of the cases. Uh, And it's, it's, it was exceedingly important by the way, from the year 2000 to 2013, when uh, almost 30% of the active managers outperformed the indexes, by the way, the index had negative returns for six of those years. So, uh, you know, the average, uh, well-rounded active manager has outperformed the S and P 500 by almost 1.5 percent. Uh, you know, uh, Marshfields by three. Just so you know, uh, there we go. Now, someone asked me, uh, you know, Tim, what do you do? How do you invest for rate cuts? Well, I, I think that's a great idea. However, you know, last week I said we wouldn't go below 2.5 percent, and we did. It made me look bad. We were there for a whopping three days. We're now over 2.5 again. So, what we found was the relative strength on the on the ten-year Treasury yield has made a higher low. So we went to a new low, but it made a higher low, which usually shows a bottom. Okay. But uh, we did, we have put together a list of, of issues that, uh, you know, if you're interested, you know, and you think there's a rate cut that's imminent, uh, you know, we can, we can do something for you. The other thing I, I will notice is, uh, you know, what, what is the future direction of, of the 10 year? We thought it was up just a week ago, but, uh, one thing that is really interesting is municipal and investment grade bonds did not make that move with the treasuries. So uh, there we go. Uh, now, we, we had an article this week that uh, we talked about Europe and Credit Suisse thinks the, uh, the conditions are bottoming for Europe, uh, which would be great because there's a lot of stocks that are not going anywhere because of, uh, of Europe. So let's hope they're right. Also, uh, the legendary gatekeeper of the stock market, whose picks dictate trillions of dollars in ETF holdings, is retiring. And that's Dave Blitzer of S&P 500, uh, of, of Standard Poor's, I'm sorry. He's the guy that says what goes into the S&P 500, what goes out, and, and uh, also the, the mid-cap index and the small-cap index. So, David, uh, good luck to you. He, he's, he's really a high-class, very classy guy. And, and you know, I, I thought of a great opportunity uh, because I read some statistics, but the healthcare opportunity out there that is probably the biggest in the, in the United States is overweight people. Uh, Almost 44% of the population is now overweight. It used to be uh, 18% just back in 1976. And uh, more and more people are, there's more and more drug companies, more and more companies that are are falling into that system. So there you go. Um, You know, we had a great report on climate change. And climate change is starting to uh, become an investment. And whether we like it or not, uh, some people don't believe in it. Um, You know, but... We are starting to see some, you know, interesting storms and stuff like that. Uh, but there, there are, I, I think it's going to change the way some people invest, especially some of the more active managers. You know, somebody asked me, uh, and I just thought I'd go over dynamic asset level investing that our friends at uh, Dorsey Wright provide us with. And, you know, the stock market's kind of like, uh, we get the masters coming up, it's kind of like Azalea. That's the par five, 510 hole. And they've moved the, the T back. So it's a classic risk reward hole. And so what you have to do is you have to, you have to look over things. And you know, what the domestic dynamic asset level investing does is we, we start out with domestic equities. That's the number one asset class, then international, then commodities, then fixed income, then cash, then currencies. So that's kind of figuring out which club do you pull right now? It's domestic equities, right? Okay. And then we look, you know, uh, Uh, at some other things like distance to the whole, you know, and right now equal weights, better than capitalization weight, which groups we want to be in like large cap growth, small cap growth are are the best. Uh, Which sectors we want to be in technology, healthcare, number one and two utilities, just uh, surge forward and industrials. uh, Obviously energy is last, last on the list, although it's starting to cook up a little bit. So uh, if you're, you're playing golf, you got to see the wind, you got to check the club uh, selection, look at your caddy, see if he's not laughing. (laughs) And then the final thing is, you know, cash triggers. Uh, We look at cash triggers and and cash triggers really come down. That's when we want to go more to cash, obviously. Uh, You know, I did notice that uh, if I looked at things this week, uh, convertible bonds and preferreds led the way in fixed income. We've been talking about that for a while. U S dollar and currencies, all energy commodities, uh, which we've been talking about and the sectors that won were technology, energy, and healthcare. So, Energy actually won, and it was one of the worst on the thing. And then we, we've been talking about U.S. equities versus everything else. So growth was a the dominant theme there too. So uh, very interesting. All right, we'll be back with some talk about uh, uh, Lori Calcevina, our head strategist. Stay tuned to the Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. You just tuned in to the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And this week we had Lori Calcevina, who's head of U.S. Equity Strategy. She's uh she used to be the small cap manager or uh strategist for another firm, and she's really quite good. And I I she had some key calls, and I'll just run those uh, by you very, very quickly. But she she raised her uh year 2019 S P five hundred target. Uh she thinks it's uh She's looking at the earnings growth of 5% and about an 18% upside. So we're already 12% there. So we got another 6% upside. You think there might be modest multiple expansion. Uh, what's a multiple? A PE multiple simply is this. You had $20 stock, you earned $10 or $2 a share. Your PE multiple is 10. So it's a form of valuation. There's also a PE to growth ratio. So that's what they call PEG ratio, and that is your P.E. ratio is 20 times, you know, is $2. If you're at 20, is 10 again. But let's say you're going to 40 percent, you're very undervalued. Okay, so uh, the two different, uh, we're talking about P.E. ratios now. So these, she thinks there could be a, a modest P.E. ratio expansion through the end of the year. She said there's a still a little room left in, in the market here. Uh, she expects that the next two quarters may be flat, as do we. Uh, she's very neutral in small cap versus large cap, uh, longer term. She thinks small, small cap will uh, rebound likely if the economy recovers. Uh, and she prefers value over growth over the long term. Uh, there's a big – right now there's a big discrepancy between those two, and that sh- should be uh, – um, you know, not forgotten in the back of your head. Now, I think Fed is keeping the growth trade alive, you know, from here on in. But she also said the sectors she likes are financials and energy, large and small, large-cap staples, small-cap consumer discretionary, small-cap communication services, and small-cap real estate investment trusts and small-cap utilities. Uh, sectors they're cautious on are tech, large and small, uh, large-cap disc. Uh, consumer discretionary. By the way, they're the best-looking charts right now. Large cap communication services and small cap, small cap healthcare and small cap materials. Uh, she did downgrade large cap healthcare uh, back the last week of March, and she's actually t- kind of talking about, you know, the uh, United Health Cares and all that. There's, there's a, you know, if Obamacare goes away, that they're going to get hit pretty hard. Also, uh, some of the drug companies have made a big run, so that's what she's looking at. And she said it's a tricky tape for crowded names in, in the hedge funds and the mutual fund area, uh, meaning that they're very over owned. I mean, the FANG stocks are still, uh, you know, she said 72% or of the 72 largest accounts, uh, the FANG stocks represented about 14% of their assets, uh, back in the summer. And they're still like 11 and 12%. So it's a, it's a big number. I think the mood of the market is really kind of interesting, and I, I think the key takeaways from investor sentiment surveys is the outlook on the market has improved. You know, bearish investors were were 24% uh, in March versus 31% in December. Recession expectations, uh, the 38% uh, ex- expect one in 2021 versus uh, 43% percent expect one in 2020, uh, in December, by the way. In the election, 71% expect Trump to be reelected, uh, but if Dems get in, you got to worry about health care, financials, energy, energy sector, and the top sector buys, as far as she's concerned, are buy energy, quality, and defenses, and sell utilities, financials, and high leverage. Uh, she also thought that, uh, uh, you know, she reviewed what the analysts were saying. She believes investors are incrementally more positive, but not euphoric. And she would like to see earnings come through better than expected to see material breakout above her $2,900 target. So uh, just a few things from Lori, I, I thought were kind of interesting. And um, one of the other things that I, I thought, uh, ah, hold on. I, you know, I was, I was reading a newsletter and um, I, I thought this was interesting and, and I, I still think it's interesting. Uh, you know, Every year we talk about, you know, uh, if if you watch Peanuts, we have, uh, back in the old days, uh, Lucy used to take the ball away from Charlie Brown all the time until the one time he was in the hospital. and Actually, I think it was uh, the first time uh, it was done. It was uh, one of the other girls that uh, actually pulled the football away from her. Uh, But anyway, you know, she finally let him kick the ball, and he missed it anyway (laughs) when he came out of the hospital. So this is what value investors have been going through for the last couple of years, and I I think that – you know just when valuations appear attractive on an absolute basis lucy otherwise known as the federal reserve pulled the pulled the <laughs> ball away from them uh and they com- they com- repeatedly have yanked the ball away from the value investors uh and and it, it's it's taken away from their their uh margin of safety shall we say so it'll be interesting to see uh you know with all the central uh, bank jawboning uh you know when when they reverse this course, but uh, it, it should be fairly interesting because the 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 spread between value and growth is 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 getting bigger and bigger every day. And I guess one of the unanswered questions uh, uh, that I think is that why does the Federal Reserve and any other every other global bank see the need to immediately reverse course upon weakness in the stock market? Why did the Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell in his recent con- congressional testimony announce we're going to be in a position to stop Federal Reserve balance sheet runoff later this year? You know, if everything's so good, why are they doing this? And the f- the Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke st- st- uh, stated back in two thousand nineteen, he started that first quantitative easing program, and he told Congress it was temporary. And Bernanke stated clearly, this is a temporary measure uh, which is intended to provide f- support for the economy for the Extraordinary period of the crisis and when the economy is back on the road to recovery, we will no longer need the measures. What's the Fed afraid of, I guess is the question. (laughs) So my question is, uh, with the equity markets once again surging and the unicorns see an opportunity. So, you know, the unicorns are those privately held startup companies valued over one dollar, one million dollars, one billion dollars. Venture capitalists created uh, the term back in 2018 and they, they choose the mythical animal. Uh, to represent the rarity of such successful private enterprises, uh, but has their growth gone away? And I, you know, Lyft uh, came out, came right back. So it'll be interesting to see. But you know, the the question is, when does value come back into play? And uh, you know, when you have drawdowns, there's been a huge drawdown in the in value uh, investing in the last couple of years, and that's why the index has been beating some of these guys, uh, which hasn't really happened for a long time. So. Uh, We'll see what happens, but uh, from here, I think, you know, what, what I am guess I'm suggesting is, is that, uh, y- you know, you want to pay particular attention. Don't – everybody said the same thing about uh, growth back in 2000. It was a different year. Not, not, you know, this time is different. It's never different. It's, it, you know, for 100 years, value has outperformed growth for 90 of those years. Five of those years have occurred in the last five years. All right, so what comes around goes around. Just remember that. All right, so what I see is the cycle backdrop for equity remains bullish. Uh, The growth uh, growth leadership remains intact. I'm sorry. Uh, The cyclicals are starting to emerge. I'm starting to see more and more industrials on my charts. Uh, So I had to continue to look at those on a weekly basis. And the weekly data suggests uh, uh, temporary Second quarter pause. So, I mean, I was looking at the, the economic numbers, and I, I would suggest, but it was fa- it was amazing how fast the ten year Treasury yield recovered. I thought that was kind of interesting. But the cyclicals, you know, reaccelerated re- following you know, like a four to five week pullback there, and the transports uh, broke their downtrend line, which is a psychological barrier that you know you keep hitting up against until finally you break through. So that that's been going on for about five six months now, and I'm seeing the rails lead the way and some of the truckers, which is very very good. That's including you know the industrials. I've got a lot of names in the industrial area that looks really good. and the discretionary group is starting to pick up. Uh, so we'll see what happens now it's not it's not the retail it's not all retail. it's uh, like hotels and things like that. And the bullish recovery is still on track for the the semiconductors and the healthcare ideas. There's a lot of healthcare ideas that are looking pretty good. I am seeing some divergence in the utilities and I'll talk about it in a minute, but I, I, you know, I look at that cyclical low, uh, cyclical low of four years, which we talked about last year. Uh, it looks like we hit it. And the other thing is uh, when we have this quadrant balance uh, oscillator that Rob Schleimer uses over at Fundstrat, uh it's a momentum thing. And when it gets to 90, it's a very good overbought. And I'll just suggest that. So, Uh, what I think is going to happen is we have a thing called the summation index and and the McClellan summation index, which got to like plus 1200, which is a pretty high level. I think it's going to drift back to zero or lower over the course of the next six, seven months. Uh, And the market will be flat during that period of time. But uh, you know, the weekly quadrant balance is still overbought. I think it's going to take some time. Same with the Russell. And, and so while we finally digest this Russell scenario, it'll be kind of interesting. Now, What's interesting about the Russell is you look at the weekly; it's overbought, and the and the dailies looks like it's starting to turn. So that'll be interesting. Growth still looks like it's breaking out, uh, especially in the in the mid cap area. The large caps not so much, and and uh, we're starting to see some short term. Uh, I mean, the small cap stocks start to lag a little bit. So the mid caps where the growth action is, and then we talked about the uh, the foreign markets and. And you know Bob Dickey talked about this a couple of weeks ago where uh he liked the uh, some of the emerging market uh things and uh, actually actually uh, you know China went straight up uh, if it comes straight back down you know and and digest some of those gains a little bit might be a pretty good time. And you know just last week I was talking about you know uh 2 weeks ago I talked about the I thought the 10-year yield would be between 2.5 and 2.9% for a while or 3% I guess and it broke through there and then it just rallied right back up. And I looked at the daily uh uh, RSI momentum uh, charts, and if you don't know what RSI is, relative strength index, so take a look. But it made a higher low, and then just rallied right back up. So that was very interesting. And I think you know the dollar is has been trading between ninety five and ninety seven. I would just say it's going to stay there unless it breaks. Uh, uh, it it looks like it could break the ninety you know seven and a half area, which would be positive. And crude, you know, I said it was. I thought it was going to sixty sixty four. It's at sixty two and a half right now, so that's pretty good. I'm starting to see very early ev- evidence that defensive sectors uh, are now beginning to bottom. Um, I noted improvement in telcos, food and tobacco and the, the cyclical leaderships begin to pause a little bit. Uh, and I'm mostly talking about technology, uh, tech uh, re- discretionary seems to be range bound. Uh, I did have like three, three, uh, columns of uh, energy stocks, uh, on my charts on Friday. Uh, but I'm, I'm starting to see some, you know, the relative performance, like with biotechs picking up, uh, the transports, uh, gold, you know, still has to break that uh, 24.5 on the uh, GDX and uh, the 1380 on the GLD. And oil service looks like it's starting to big pick up. And the one, the final thing I'll say is, is um, the relative performance of utilities starting to peak a little bit. So, hey, stay tuned. We'll be right back with the, uh, the bullish percent. Okay, we're back if you just tuned in. Uh we're now going to talk about the bullish percent and uh this is you know what we're looking for is a uh a, a risk guide. Now look, uh domestic equities are number one asset class. Now if they were zero and we turned to O's, I'd say get out. <laughs> All right? I I said to go to cash in 2007 at the end of 2007 and the first half of 2008. Uh so there's a lot of things that are dependent uh on, are this is dependent on but right now, domestic equities are the number one asset class. So just remember that. But remember, we were very close to uh, turning down last week, and we we actually turned up a percentage point to fifty-two. Uh, we had turned down at fifty, but we're not there yet. Uh, the over-the-counter index was up a half uh, to forty-three and a half. Uh, we turned down there at thirty-eight, and the bullish uh, percent for the world was big, about one point three percent, and it it's at forty-six and wouldn't turn down to forty-two. So we're we're close, but we're not there, and. Ne- never anticipate an anticipator, okay? I can't tell you how important that is. Never anticipate an anticipator, all right? That's that simple. If you remember that for the rest of your life, when you listen to the show, uh, you'll never go wrong. Um, but most of the the bullish percents kind of remained in the unchanged category, and I, I think that's positive. Uh, I did notice that large-cap growth picked up quite a few uh votes versus small cap growth, which is number two and, and took some more away from mid cap growth. Large cap value is still dead in the water <laughs> and it keeps losing votes. So it's kind of inter that and small cap value are, are just getting beat up. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. Every, nobody's talking about it, uh, but you should let, you should be thinking about it. So uh, once again, technology, uh, healthcare just beat out utilities this week. Uh, utilities, uh, had beaten out healthcare a couple of weeks ago, and now uh, healthcare beat them out again. And the, but utilities are number three, uh, industrials are number four. At the bottom of the heap is energy, basic materials, and real estate. So, uh, real estate investment trusts now are a little bit different because they're they're yield play, and they've been up a little bit further. But I did notice that all the charts have negative momentum for the last three or four weeks, except for the QQQs the large cap growth stocks, they've been positive for 13 weeks. That's a long time folks. So usually it's seven to eight weeks. So 13 straight weeks of the QQQs being positive. That's the top hundred NASDAQ stocks. So that's where I'd be careful right at the moment. Uh, they, you know, they're up 16% this year. Uh, I don't think they're going to the moon. The rel- the other one is the equal weight index for the ETF where each stock gets one vote. That's up about fourteen, and then the mid cap index is up up about fourteen, and and then the uh, spiders up uh, twelve. So it's it's very very interesting right now. uh, You know, just so you know, um, in the in the equal weight, the QQQs and the S and P five hundred trusts, there are uh, be about sixty stocks that are responsible for hundred percent of the gain. So, uh, once again, that indexing can be very, remember John Bogle talked to the index is up big back in 2000, 1999. And, uh, he killed some people for the next like eight, nine years. after that. Uh, I am starting to see the emerging markets uh, still do better. Um, although I, the EEM, which is the emerging, you know, the iShares emerging markets still is at the bottom of the performance level. It's still up 10% for the year. So, you know, remember that. Okay. Uh, you know, it's not the end of the world. And, you know, when bottoms occur, usually you're you're the lagged for a while. Now, I did look at the bullish percent for all the groups, okay? And what we look at is the favored sectors. And we were at 14 favored sectors last week. We're now at 12, so we're declining a little bit here. And what I'm going to do is we're going to talk about the, the ones that are most overbought to the ones that are least overbought. Uh, and we only talked about favored sectors because that's where you want to concentrate your efforts. Electric utilities are at 70. Uh, you want to be a little bit careful there, obviously. Uh, waste management and software at 60, I'd be waiting on those. Semiconductors at 55, I'd be waiting on those. At 50, which is a good place to buy things, are medical stocks and biotech. Uh, and then 45 is housing. And then uh, 40 is transportation, which, like I said, just broke its downtrend line. Uh, drug stocks, which are holding up pretty well. Telecommunications and healthcare. care. And then finally at 30, which is a really good place to buy things is precious metals. Uh, so here we have, uh, we just had biogenetics, um, and drugs and non-ferrous metals go to bull confirmed status. non metals are not, uh, favored though. So we, we had three or four, you know, that are turning up, uh, not as, not the way you absolutely want them to obviously, but, uh, now insurance stocks took a hit and I don't know why this week, but, uh, they just went to average and so did gas utilities. Remember, both of those were favored last week. They're the two sectors that went down. Wall Street went to unfavored. Uh, so once again, the, the the a lot of the uh, financials are just not going anywhere. We're, we're very positive on them. So I, I don't know what that's all about. Um, I did look at uh, well, I should I should say our friends at Dorsey Wright looked at uh, the developed countries, and you know if you look at some of the ETFs out there. They're up about 10%. Um, so it, what they're doing is they're gaining, um, some momentum. Okay. And if you look, uh, a lot of these groups are overweight, some of the technologies and they're underweight, the financials right at the moment. So, uh, that may be the, the dominant thing, but uh, some of these are more, uh, these are, uh, uh, groups that are judged by or, or they, they are. They they buy the stocks based on relative strength. Okay, so that's interesting. I guess the dominant thing in the quarter is, particularly during the final stretch, like the last two weeks, was that the yield curve inversion, where the two year yield, uh, two year Treasury yield, went higher than the ten year, uh, and you know it was causing uh, a lot of a lot of tension in the markets, and uh, that just changed again. Okay, so the question is: Is the ten year Treasury bottomed? Uh, is the yield going to be pushed higher, you know, to, uh, reverting the curve back to a more positive stance? Uh, we'll we'll find out soon. But it was amazing how fast we reversed up from after going down. I mean, we broke through 2.5. We went all the way down to 2.33, uh, 3, which is a big move in the bond market, and then reversed right back up. Uh, so uh, I, at the end of the day, the reason why we've seen the yield curve invert is that the intermediate to longer terms uh, yields have moved lower. I think that's due to the fact that Germany, uh, you know, they had terrible economic numbers and they went from 0.35% yield to zero in like two days. So there was a huge asset allocation over here. So they bought a lot of bonds. Now the fact that they sold off means the Germans just got whacked. Uh, But there we go. But even passive and core fixed income investors uh, benefited from lower rates. So that was positive. But, Fixed income sectors with exposure to duration performed extremely well last quarter. If you don't know what duration is, you probably shouldn't be buying your own bonds. Uh, Also spreads have narrowed, uh, which have helped uh, support the prices in the high yield uh, bond area. Uh, So, you know, high yield bonds have been a pretty good place, but convertible preferreds also rallied, uh, which coincide with a strong quarter for us equities. And that's where we told you to be. So, uh, that has been the place to be as far as i'm concerned but as soon as we broke 2.6% um on the 10-year treasury yield uh we went straight down after that so uh it'll be interesting to see how that you know cuz that really affects the stock market it also affects you know for you retirees what your cd rates are going to be which you're probably going to get going to shock next time you roll them over um and we looked at commodities and and oil has been up 14 weeks in a row and i that's a long time. So uh, the momentum has been positive for 14 weeks. So I suggest that, you know, we're probably going to see some kind of, uh, you know, uh, pullback in oils coming. Uh, Maybe not today or tomorrow, but eventually Uh, gold has been negative for six weeks and copper has been negative for three weeks and corn, which popped up, popped right back. Um, So, but the quarter was dominated by a really incredibly strong rally in the oil complex. And it, It included heating oil, gasoline, crude oil, the whole kit and caboodle. So uh, the strong oil complex performance has been the primary driver behind the strong performance we've seen in the ETFs in that area. So another key highlight was the performance of the industrial corner of the metals because copper and palladium went nuts until the last week, and both of them got beat up a little bit. So uh, that's what I'm saying. You know, if everything's so great, why is the Fed suddenly on hold? (laughs) you know what i mean the uh, the last strong performer were lean hogs and lean hogs uh just saw another breakout by the way and uh so I mean gasoline was the top performer thing was up forty three percent crude oil t- thirty one lean hogs twenty six nickel was up twenty one and heat oil was up seventeen uh so copper was up eleven so those are pretty big moves in commodities especially when you don't have to put much down and uh, we always talk about relative strength changes, you know, so we've, what we've talked about is the major economy here, and we've worked our way down to some technical aspects, and now we're talking about, okay, here's some ideas. Now, I'm not recommending these ideas. They're just relative strength buy signals, uh, but automatic uh, automatic data processing has been a great one for a long period of time. Simocentrics, which is in the biotech a- uh, area. Uh, PS Business Parks, which is a REIT. Uh, it's done very, very well uh vip shop holdings which is out of china uh the container store some of these lower price ones huh a neurotrope which is in the biotechnology area and puxon sponsored adr that's a retailer and svm k which is technology services those are the buys on the sell side we have um now this is you know look it, it, it don't go out and sell everything you know go back check the fundamentals See if there's a reason why these have, have lost some sparkle, but, you know, take, take a look. at, uh, You know, some of these I've seen have, have got acquired, okay? Uh, Cigna Corporation, a healthcare provider, that's probably because of uh, Obamacare, uh, you know, losing some, some of its stat- uh, sparkle, shall we say. KVHI Industries, uh, Marlin Business Services, Richardson Electronics, Seabridge Gold, which is unusual because it went straight up and came straight back down. Uh, Transported Gas, uh, RigNet, which is in Wireless Communications, Del Fresco uh, Restaurants Group, Uh, RH, which is in Retail, that's Restoration Hardware, Carecom, which is in Technology Services, and Mr. Cooper Group uh, in Banks, and North American Palladium. And Palladium, like I said, was down 50 bucks in one day. It made a big, huge move. And then just got creamed. Uh, So, you know, it's one of those things where you have to pay particular attention to some of the commodities. Now, it was up. uh, It had 16 straight weeks of positive momentum. So that's why I'm saying with oil. You know, there was a lot of oil stocks that broke out, uh, at least on my charts. I think I had like three columns of oil stocks, which has been unusual lately. You know, Uh, the last couple of weeks, it's been all biotech. I've had four or five columns of biotech stocks, you know, uh, five or six days in a way. A row, uh, maybe eight nine days in a row. And now we had, you know, three or four things of oil. So maybe oil's pricking up. We'll see. Hey, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Insiders. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. If you'd like to hear the show, the first half of the show that you didn't hear, you can always go to WHK1420 a m go to the local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes and it has all the podcasts for you know I think it's like a year and a half uh, so if if I said I said something and you don't believe me, and go back and check uh, a couple years couple months back, whatever uh, also um you know if you'd like any of the materials we talked about, which I'm just about to talk about, uh you can always go to uh, my webpage, which you can get directly from the WHk webpage. Or Google or Bing, Tim Hayes radio when I show up. But we have some really good lists, uh, that I think are great. Number one, our top idea list. Uh, I've done very, very well with this, uh, when I've done my homework. It's the analyst's best pick. If you know anything about analysts, that's how they get their bonus. Okay. So if they hit their price target, they get their bonus. <laughs> it's that simple. So you want to buy their best ideas. Then we have our dividend growth portfolio, which uh, has not been together as long as our prime income list. Uh, the prime income list has done very, very well over a long period of time. Uh It's high quality dividend ideas. Uh The dividend growth portfolio, what we're looking for is eight to 10% dividend growth. And if the dividend gets cut, so doesn't the stock from the dividend growth portfolio. So that's a, a kind of an interesting thing. The other thing I'll, I'll mention is our, our technology, internet, media and tech telecommunications conference. It was back in November. A lot of these stocks have made huge moves. You want to buy them when they pull back, but, uh, I've only had five, six people call in for that. And that's usually when I have uh, the best ideas. (laughs) So, uh, and by the way, I've been talking about this since November. So, I mean, I'm not hiding anything from anybody. Um, Okay. So let's talk about insiders. Uh, Insiders. What are our rules here? Number one, insiders are always early. Number two, well, I'm looking for the large insider buys. Okay. Not, or the multiple buys. Like, you know, we just talked about heister materials, Last week, there was like 12, 13 buys, okay? Uh, We're also looking uh, to know that uh, uh, insiders know their companies better than we do. Uh, Then you have to do your own homework from there, okay? Our our friend Ron Perlman, uh, who was one of the great corporate raiders back in the the 80s, uh, has bought some more Revlon. Uh, The stock uh, went down from 28 to uh, 20 and he bought 1.9 million dollars remember he started buying this 16 14 and 16 and it ran up to 28 and it's pulled back and now he's started to buy again and here's uh Selecta Biosciences the CEO bought 6 million dollars worth of stock after the stock dropped from 12 down to 2 i don't know what the reason uh, the, the reasoning behind that but uh you like to see uh these guys buy stocks when they're down now Uh, Walgreens, which has got absolutely slaughtered this week. Uh, You know, it was trading in the 60s. uh, is now trading at 54. The CEO came out and bought $996,000 worth, uh, which really is kind of chump change to what he owns, but it's good to see that he's buying at least a little bit of it. Uh, You know, leave it at that. Uh, Symantec, you know, we talked about Starboard Value had bought uh, 13 million shares of this just uh, uh, three weeks ago, I guess it was. And they now own about five or 6% of it. Well, the CEO, uh, uh Greg Clark, uh, he exercised, okay, 175,000 shares, but he kept, uh, 93,000 of it, uh, which is a good sign. And, uh, that's about, uh, 1.8 million. But what I like is he already owns 3.2 million shares, 3, 2, 3.26 million shares. So, uh, You you love seeing that. The CFO bought 22,000 shares and he already owns 570,000 shares. Three VPs bought seven to uh, between 7,500 and 19,000 shares and they all own over 150. You love to see when insiders buy when they already own a ton of it. You love it, especially when Starboard Value. uh, You know, look, I've given you three Starboard Value stocks. Marvell at 10 bucks. You know, I still have some at 21. Uh, I've sold some at 20, 27. Some people sold some uh, earlier than that. They took a trade at 15. Uh, Also, uh, uh, Triquin Semiconductor, way back when, you know, we talked about it at 5. The Insiders bought at 7. Starboard bought. Bingo. And then uh, we just had a recent, NVIDIA just bought someone who uh, Starboard had a big position in, which I didn't talk about on the show. Uh, I just bought for my clients. I don't tell you guys everything. (laughs) Uh and then uh Eviva Partners, uh Eviva Holdings bought forty nine point nine million dollars worth at a new high. So the parent company bought fifty million dollars worth of stock at a new high. And then uh Condi Technologies, which is in the uh uh self driving car business, uh had a huge breakout uh from five dollars up to ten. Uh, not no, I'm nine and a quarter. I'm sorry, and it's just it faded back on, uh, you know, nothing, no volume actually, and then the the CEO bought another seven eighty five thousand dollars. You may recall he bought a couple million dollars worth when the stock was five. Um, also, uh, Golden Harbor uh, Limited, beneficial bought uh, Insego Corp. I N S G is a symbol, and they bought uh, another. 31, uh, 3.166 million shares at $2 and 50 cents. Uh, they already own 21.9. I would suggest they like the company. Uh, and here's one that's interesting at a new high, at a new high, the CEO of Costco, but another nine, uh, $730,000 worth of stock, which I thought was interesting. Also a couple other things is the, um, Equitrana midstream, uh, there was four buyers of five point five million dollars pure storage. I own a little bit of this company uh, at a lower, much lower level, by the way. Uh, there was one buyer of three point one million dollars worth, and also uh, Lindy Corp. There was one buyer of one million shares that popped like a, I'm up like like ten bucks uh, last week. So we'll see. I did notice that uh, we had German American Bank Corp., which we talked about a couple. We had a couple more buyers. Uh, we had four more buyers to the tune of three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars worth. Remember, there was six or seven buyers uh, to the tune of about four hundred fifty uh, the week before. So, all right. So, wh- where where are we? What what's going on here, Tim? Uh, so, here's you know, Bob Dickey had an interesting piece the other day. He said he said there was leading strong uptrends, and they were technologies and utilities. Mostly bullish trends were healthcare and communication services. Improving bullish trends were basic materials, gold, pharmaceuticals, emerging markets, China, home builders, and biotech. Neutral trends, consumer staples. Toppy trends were transports, aerospace, and energy. And banks and retailers and commodities and autos were weak trends. Autos are really, really weak trends. But, you know, look, uh, one of the things uh, the military did back in the in the uh, World War II was they they took all the planes that, came, that landed and... They looked at where their weaknesses were, where they were getting shot the most, and they they what they did was they put extra uh, uh, defenses in those areas, uh, and they still got shot down. So what they didn't do was the shot was the planes that got shot down, they couldn't retrieve. Okay, so they didn't know exactly really what happened to the ones that got shot down. So the ones that made it back, they helped those, but they still had the same amount of planes getting shot down. So what I'm trying to tell you is that when you're doing your homework on your stocks, if you don't look at the ones that get shot down, <laughs> you're in trouble. All right. A couple other things I've seen, and I think these are interesting. Uh, I looked at the, uh, the stocks and financial conditions uh, that Goldman Sachs puts out. And then I looked at the end, the S and P 500 index And my gosh, they are moving in tandem. And they, you know, they split apart in 2008, uh, pretty wide margin. And then they have been following each other directly uh, for some time now. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that continues. But uh, look, the the Fed puts out a national financial conditions index. It's called the NFCI. And one of the things I noticed is, well, first of all, it, it, Tracks the uh, what they call risk sub-index, so it looks at volatility and funding risk in the financial sector. A credit sub-index, which looks at the credit conditions, and then a leverage uh, sub-index, which looks at debt and equity measures. And um, I tell you, you know, if it's above zero, it's you're in great shape. And you'll find that the, during the the financial crises and recessions, this thing goes way up to three, four. Uh, This week it hit negative 0.85, which is a very, very positive, uh, you know, scenario. So it's the lowest rating since February of 1974, long before the quantitative easing started. So how about that? huh? And then, you know, we look at the Dow Jones. We're very close to a new high, but we were very close to a new high back in February of 2018, too. Uh, So. Could this be a triple top or could it be, you know, a breakout? And that's, that's the million-dollar questions. And, if I, you know, I've had a lot of questions uh, from about energy stocks, and the energy stocks are an example of an area that continues to underperform the market. And they could do so for some period, you know, for a long intermediate term, but who knows. I still think the dividend stocks look great, and I would uh, be sticking with those to, 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 at the best I possibly could. Um, prime income list is doing better than the dividend growth list at this point, just so you all know. And that's what I'd look at. I'd, I'd uh, call Tim or I'd go to uh, WHK 1420 and I'd go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes and go to his webpage or I'd either uh, you know Google or Bing Tim Hayes radio and I'd send away for these things. There's lots of contact me, email me, but, the prime income list and the dividend growth list are great ideas at this point. Um, uh, our best ideas, I think are phenomenal. Uh, we've done very, very well with those over time, by the way. Um, uh, so those are some places I would go. And then for those who, who like, uh, you know, growth stocks, which I think are still going to be, you know, I don't see any sign of the growth stocks dying here. Um, the telecommunications, internet, media and, uh, technology, uh, a newsletter. it 's not a newsletter it's a, it's a research report, and i 'm just given sending day two out by the way because that 's where all the the good names were that I saw and it's it's from our conference back in november uh it 's a great piece there's been some absolute home runs in there uh, some of them are starting to correct now, which is you know why i 'm talking about it still uh because if they correct it, you know you get a better chance to buy them uh, and that's what you 're looking for you 're looking for them uh, there look we, we do have a seminar on monday uh it's at the uh, the Marriott airport and it is six to eight o'clock. And, uh, I, I, I think a couple people, uh, uh, said no on Friday. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't around all day Friday. So, uh, if you'd like to, you know, come, uh, you know, you gotta email me today. That's, this is Saturday. So email me today. Uh, and, uh, let me know. And you can, you can find all that information on my webpage. Uh, it does have a piece about the seminar. Uh, but you got to do it today. Uh, but if, if I get like 10 or 12 of them, then I'm going to have to uh, you know pull back a little bit. But in the meantime, you still have 24 hours. It's the weekend. It's supposed to be 70 Sunday. Have a great weekend. This is Tim Hayes from the Smart Investor Show. Remember, buy low and sell high.
0: Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.